Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 108. And if you want to listen to this one as well as our previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a rating or a review. And since we've got the upcoming Las Vegas trip, which we'll, we will be discussing later as I stumble over my own words, you can follow us on Twitter and on our newly created Instagram page, B-W-R-A-O underscore S-B-N on Instagram. So now that I've got all of our plugs out of the way, let's bring in everybody here. Sam Lepressi, hello, Sam. We have finally made it to the gram. We yes. have finally made it to the, to the big time. Yes, yes, we have. And somebody who will not be running our Instagram page is Chucks. Hello, Chucks. No, I'm, I'm the last person I'm, uh, you want to have uh, <laughs> running social media of any kind. That's, uh, I don't know, I don't take it all very seriously. And uh, yeah, I <laughs> kind of a side note, because I always start with an obscure story to the podcast. Um, I want someday I kind of want to, you know, get a career in politics and stuff. And I always thought like, man, I'm just going to delete my social media when I get into that stuff. I just can't be bothered, man. I just. You you mentioned your career in politics, and I, I've been meaning to shout it out the last couple of weeks. You won an award recently, didn't you, Chucks? I did, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, it's called the um, Source Media Solution Seeker Award. So, uh, yeah, it was very nice. It was a really cool trophy. Just uh, the local artist uh, here made it. And I mean, very briefly, briefly summarize. Uh, it's basically um, our local newsroom. They have apparently for the first time they did this they give out awards to um solution seekers which is in line with their solutions journalism philosophy which is you know we look at solutions to problems and not just talk about problems which i really appreciate so yeah they uh gave me uh, basically the community voted to uh give me an award for uh you know someone who's uh seeking solutions in the community and uh, uh basically it's with our business our real estate business and um i advocated for some policy in uh, the Ohio Senate and the Ohio House. So anyway, long, long story, but just go to my website if you want to learn more. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So yeah, it was uh, good stuff. Thank you. Nice. Well, congratulations again. And uh, unlike Chuck, somebody who will probably be appearing on the new Instagram feed in the coming days, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, folks. Happy to be here. Uh, congrats on the award, Chuck. That, sound, that sounds pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty impressive. Good for you. Thank you. And, and weirdly enough, it's, it's it's the people who don't care about social media that should probably be on social media the most, uh, <laughs> because that's how you that's how you have to handle it. Like the moment you take social media serious, that's when you lost. Like it has to be a fun thing you don't care about. The moment you actually care about it, that's when it starts being a a problem. So yeah, I'll probably be a little bit more more on it. Uh, we want to kind of the, the real the real reason for finally being on on Instagram is really that we now have something very real and tangible to broadcast to to everyone out there, which is the the Vegas game, which I know we've talked about enough in the in the last few days, but still, uh, it, it's going to be Vegas is a very event driven town, so I'm, I'm sure there's going to be like a bunch of Juve related things during this this game so we're looking forward to to working on it to to having you guys check out kind of like what the what the color is what what everything looks like over there so uh if you can like danny said bwrao underscore sbn we're going to be broadcasting from there and it should be fun it should be a good time yes and you all will be learning what kind of access we have with our two media credentials for me and sergio 
basically along with us because we are kind of flying blind a little bit in terms of what what we'll be able to do and and especially on game day what uh what kind of stuff we'll able we'll be able to share with the masses so uh looking forward to it always and obviously hanging out with sergio in person will will be fun regardless of that especially knowing that it will be a, a mexican team along there and i'm sure one that sergio knows rather well yeah it should be fun it should be great i, that, I think that's why there's going to be such a great great environment and then just it's going to be a good time because uh, Mexican fans just know, I mean, they're going to go to drink and they're going to go and have fun. And, you know, Chivas, well, is one of the biggest clubs. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fans there and, and it, it should be just a, a kind of fun, interesting mix of, of fandoms there, because I'm pretty sure Real Madrid and Barcelona are also part of that too. I don't know if they play in Vegas. They play the they next play, day in Vegas. They play the next day. So it's just, it just seems like a, like a very fun, uh, sort of, you know, mixing of people there that that should be going plus is Vegas which is always there's always something going on there so it should be interesting it should be fun follow on the blog follow on the Instagram follow everywhere there's going to be plenty plenty of stuff there uh before we get to the media show we have a uh, I just got an up, uh, alert on my phone that our our blog Instagram has a new follower Samuel Presti so you yeah, know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> with 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 my Instagram account that 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 I don't actually use at all because I don't take enough photographs of my life to make Instagram really worthwhile for me. Come on, but man, I have you've got one a kid just, now. Yeah, <laughs> you know we're, we're we're trying to to follow like the like there are two schools of thought when you have a child. And when it comes to social media, one is like, don't put them on social media at all. The other yeah. one is don't is, is, you know, just post like every flipping day, something new for the. And we're trying to find like the middle. My wife and I are trying to find the middle of the road there. So like we put like we put up a couple of pictures of him, but not a lot. And, you know, we have a Facebook group that is is uh, is meant for more in-depth pictures for family and close friends. But. Yeah, it, it it I Instagram is is I, I am not hip to the gram. Uh, I have it to have it, but <laughs> but I I barely ever use it. Well, now, now that we're almost about ten minutes into the the podcast this week, we can we can get to the the actually stop burying the lead and get to the big news of the day. How do you guys feel about Filippo Radokia potentially going on loan to Monza? <laughs> That's gonna. It's gonna. It could really be a, a, a shot in the arm to his development, you know. And and I'm glad that all the reports say that we at least have a buyback, so that you know we'll be able to control his future. Yes. Yes. Obviously, we were coming to you guys on Sunday again, and as pretty much for the last oh I don't know four or five hours since I've been awake, the Twitter feed has basically been nothing but Matthias Delict and the kind of offshoots of what this deal with Bayern Munich that was agreed, essentially agreed to it. I don't know if they fully agreed, but they have basically agreed to the framework of it uh, and what what can happen out of there. So uh, depending on who you read, it's either 70 plus 10 money-wise, it's maybe a little more than 80 million euros when it's all said and done. But the general gist is that Matthias Delict in a matter of days will officially not be a Juventus player anymore. He will head to the Bundesliga to play with Bayern Munich. And Juventus now obviously have a lot of money to spend. How they spend it is another matter entirely, as we've said multiple times before. But 
Uh, we've been talking a lot about the Big Dutchman the last few weeks on this podcast. I think it was probably, what, one, 106 episode, 105, I don't know, when the rumors started kind of going full bore. But just overall thoughts, I think we should throw it to our resident Dutchman first, since this is this is his guy the last couple of years. Uh, just, you know, how do you feel about Delict leaving? The price that he uh, he's leaving for and uh, and all that jazz. Yeah, Shane, it's, uh, you know, probably the closest, even though it's terribly flimsy, but the closest uh, connection I've ever had to a professional uh, football player because um, he was born in the same town that I was. So, yeah, you know, now I have no, I don't know, <laughs> bizarre trivia to share Six with degrees you. of Kevin Bacon for, uh, yeah. for Chuck's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was born in, uh, also born in Leiderdorp, and, uh, you know, that's where I uh, grew up. Oh, okay, technically, I was born in, in a town called Leiderdorp, which is technically next to it, but it's like, I mean, it's basically the same city. Yeah, same city. <laughs> but I, I grew up in a town, for sure, where he, you know, was born. Anyway, um, yeah, in terms of him leaving, I, I mean, obviously, it's, it's terrible shame. I mean, yeah, we all know. I mean, he was a great player. He, he not a very rough first year, but I admire just how how he recovered from it and in the subsequent years and just how he's grown really as, you know, as a player, just in maturity um, with Juve. And, you know, I'm glad and I'm honestly grateful that Juve was part of his very like crucial growth of his career. I mean, he's, you know, he's 22 right now. And just that 19, 20, 21 years of his life, uh, those like, you know, two, three years of his life and just having, or his career rather, having that development here with Juve. And, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm proud that we, and like I said, just grateful that we played like just a crucial, or that we played a role in just such an important stage of his career. I mean, obviously now, you know, he's, I mean, he's an incredibly mature player. I think he's a good leader. I mean, he's obviously not, you know, the number one leader yet, but I mean, absolutely has leadership material and, you know, he absolutely can just become, you know, one of the greats of his generation. So, you know, I'm, again, I, you know, I think as I get older, I kind of get more like mellowed out and just kind of more like, oh, look at the positive, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I look at the positive in a sense, just that he has contributed, you know, an incredible amount to Juve. Obviously these weren't our best years for the club, but I mean, I think he's contributed greatly and, you know, I'm grateful for that. In terms of the deal itself, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm happy that we stood firm on getting a good price for him in a transfer. Uh, I think at the at first there were rumors about something like 60 million euros, I believe. Yes, that was uh, that was Byron's first offer, which Juventus right. rejected in about five which was seconds. rejected, and and I mean, we'll talk about that in more detail, just about just process the, the negotiations and stuff. I do just appreciate that Juve stood firm on. Uh, on his price and got at the end of the day, I mean, if rumors are to believe, which I suppose it looks pretty definite that is about 80 ish uh, million euros. I think that's good. I mean, I think we did well in that sense. And, you know, obviously we give management a lot of slack, especially in terms of selling. Like, I mean, Sergio will obviously talk about that. And I know he's talked about that, you know, a few times on previous episodes, just on like our capacity to just be good, like be good with selling players. Like, if slash when they do eventually leave, like actually just getting a good price for them and, you know, having it be on our terms, frankly. So I think, you know, the club did well in that sense, just getting a good price for him. Um, especially, you know, considering that, I mean, the player wanted to leave, the lift wanted to leave, you know, it, it, I mean, I don't think he was 
well, I mean, he wasn't as explicit as uh, Lewandowski was about it. And I know we always pull that comparison, but I mean, it's just the biggest Hell, high on, profile. On case. the same day that this news broke, he was playing in a friendly in training. Right. So right. It's yeah. not like he was basically like, you know, half assing it like Lewandowski basically did and yeah, yeah. according to reports. So, although yeah, he I, did show up to training as well, which he showed up. I mean, Who knows what he actually did yeah, in training? Because from what, from what the uh, Bayern Munich blog, and I know we've kind of shared a few shots across the bow over the last <laughs> few days in terms of the lick stuff, but apparently Lewandowski wasn't exactly trying his hardest after yeah. reporting to training in, uh, in Bavaria. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, you know, again, just to touch on the Lewandowski thing, you know, I try more and more just to see it from like, okay, if I were in that situation, what, you know, how would I feel kind of like, you know, try to have some empathy about it. And, you know, I try to put it in the case of like, okay, what if I was at my job, you know, at my employer, and I said, hey, you know, boss, I want to leave. And they say, no, <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, nah, you're staying. You know, how would I feel about how would I like, I really be present at work. Like, would I really be there? And I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't think I would be my hundred percent there if that were the case. So, you know, a little bit of, I do have some empathy there, but, but yeah, I mean, given that Licht did want to leave and again, I mean, he wasn't as explicit about it as Lewandowski was, you know, he didn't go out in the media. He hasn't frankly said anything really in the media, except that one interview after that nation's league friendly. Yep. um, Some time ago. So, you know, he's been very professional. He's not said anything in the media. Because, I mean, again, I said this last episode, too, you know, he could have very much forced our hand. Like, he could have come out in the media and said all kinds of things. And, like, you know, again, like Lewandowski, you know, uh, saying, like, hey, my heart is not with it. Or, like, you know, I don't want to be here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that would have forced our hand even more. But, you know, it was common knowledge, basically, that he wanted to leave. So that, like, as a selling club, that decreases your leverage, you know. And, obviously, Bayern knew that. So, even given that, that we were still able to get a good price from it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I commend management for that. Um, obviously, I'd rather have the list stay, but given that it basically seemed like he was going to leave, the best solution was, I mean, just to get a price like this. And I, yeah, basically, given that the list was going to leave, I think we found basically the best resolution, which is, yeah, 80-ish million euros. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, fair play. Fair play. And I'll throw it to Sergio. I, I think the with this, I think the worst thing for Juventus in terms of the negotiations with Byron is the fact that Chelsea dropped out because then you're essentially just trying to negotiate with one club rather than using Chelsea or vice versa as leverage. So, I mean, I know, I know I was a little upset in the moment where it was like, it's only 80 million where this center back market is so inflated, but you make a good point. It's like, you know, you, you can only do so much when it's only one club rather than a couple with very large pockets. Yeah, Ju- Juve got out Juve in that one with the, I mean, because they did the same <laughs> thing with, with Dusan Vlahovic and with Manuel Locatelli, right? It's like the player only wants what club and, and the deal is already done, so your options are fairly limited. Uh, it, it was a, it, it's a shame. It's a shame. I, I think there's bittersweet feelings there because, like you said, it, it, it you know, it seemed like the Ligt was a, a you know, as much of a professional about it as you can be when, when you know, asking to leave. Uh, there wasn't a lot of drama. There wasn't a lot of, you know, uh, quotes in the media and whatnot. Like, it, it all seemed very, very respectful, very straightforward. But it, it still seems, you know, it, it seems similar to similar to the Dybala thing in the sense that it feels like there was still a lot to accomplish there. It's still, it feels like unfulfilled potential. 
with with Matthijs De Ligt in in the Juve jersey and and we I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about more about you know whether this is whether his stay as a Juve player is disappointing or not but it just it feels like we failed him as a club as much as he failed us as the expectations were around his signing right and to be, to be fair his signing was i mean the expectations were be the next great center back in europe be the be you know lead juventus in this next great era of, of success which was probably too much to ask of, of of any player but you know that was kind of the expectation we had of him like he's going to be our next Chiellini. he's going to be the next Bonucci. he's going to be the next guy that's going to be here for the next 10 years or so and then be a the, the best center back in the world and you know it's fair to say that he never came close to that but you know we also failed him in the sense that it was you know ever since he signed three different coaches uh just you know a project that has you know absolutely no destination no 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 way of really being successful uh we didn't put him in the in the best of situations either so it's upsetting as a fan to see even though i defended his right of, of wanting to play elsewhere and, and feeling like the project is is not good enough and i still think he has every right to doing that uh but it's, it is upsetting as a fan that that you know he just kind of saw what we had here and was like no thanks like like i'm good i think i'm gonna go elsewhere so that's that's a little bit upsetting, especially because he was a guy that from the moment he got here, you know, he was, you know, he was kind of, he was the guy, like he was going to be the guy to kind of bring this next era of Juventus football forward. And, you know, he, he kind of didn't want to be that. And he has every right of, of deciding that he doesn't want to be that. And it's, you know, the expectations of the fans uh, should have no bearing on what he wants to do, but it is a little bit upsetting and it is a little bit, you know, sad that you know he he was just kind of like a player that had a few good seasons and they sold him at a not at a loss financially but probably not as much as they could have in different circumstances and that's that like you know he was just okay for a few years and that's that and it just feels like very very underwhelming given given the talent that we know that he has and and how much better it could have been under different circumstances so yeah, it, it's just it's a, it's a bittersweet day for for Juve fans. I think it should be at least. Yeah, I think it, both of you guys have touched on this a little bit, but I th I think that the main takeaway out of all of this, and I know I, I touched on this, I think either last week or the week before, is that this is such an indictment on the front office because you know Delict, like you said, Danny, Delict was going full bore in a in a friendly with, you know, the city, of D, that poor city of D team that we, that we annihilated today, he was going full bore in that match and training hard and training full bore, even as all this stuff was going on. And we've said a lot, we've said a lot over the course of this process. It doesn't look like he necessarily, he, he doesn't hate Juve anymore. He does, you know, he doesn't, you know, it, it seems like he's, he very much, likes the club and likes Turin and likes being at Juve. He just looked at the sporting aspect and said, this isn't going to line up with my competitive ambitions. And, you know, that's the, you know, the main, the main crux of this is I do think that we would be talking about a contract extension with him. If this front office was showing signs of having a, a project that looked like it would come to fruition anytime soon and it but it doesn't and 
and he didn't want to be a passenger on on a ship just bumbling around in the dark hoping that there are no rocks there and the same as Sergio I don't blame him for that one bit you know he's a guy that's that's 22 years old he's 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 already really good and he's still got more to improve he's got ambitions competitively you know he's a guy that's tasted the semifinals of the Champions League before as a teenager as a te- as a teenager and yeah it, it it is sad it's upsetting it leaves us with a lot of questions that we're going to have to answer over the next month before the season starts but it's not necessarily a surprise and at the end of the day it is a serious indictment on on this front office and and how they have handled themselves since he uh, since he came on board yeah because otherwise i don't think like i i really do think that if he thought that juventus was close enough to getting back into contention and where we were when we signed him i'm pretty sure he would have stayed because he he genuinely seemed to enjoy being at juve yeah i agree and just the front office point real real quick the summer of 2019 when delict arrived along he basically juve had essentially seven senior squad signings throw dayan kuluseski in there as well uh since he arrived in january so that makes eight out of those eight players Still at Juventus, Luca Pellegrini, Aaron Ramsey, Adrian Rabio. Gone now are Delict in a matter of a day or two, or Deni, I should say, still here, Danilo as well. So half of them are, are here and half of them gone. Matthias Delict is gone. Christian Romero is gone. Mary Demerol is gone. And obviously, Gigi Buffon is still hanging out in Parma. So notice that the three people that you said before, Gigi, are all good to great central defenders at a time when we have none. Yes. And you you look at the defensive options that Juventus have, and maybe, you know, a little salt in the wound is Andrea Campi also going out on loan the day after he signs. All of those guys are 30 years old or older. So I don't know how much it played into it, but Matthias Delic looks around at Juventus's defense and it's a completely washed Alexandro, a Luca Pellegrini who might not be here come the start of the season, Leonardo Bonucci, who's 35 and probably has a couple of seasons at most left. Yeah, Danilo's been great, but he's not getting any younger. Juan Cuadrado, he's what, 34? And then there's Matteo Deciglio. So it's it's a lot of guys who... I mean, outside of Federico Gatti and maybe Luca Pellegrini, you can't necessarily be, see being at Juventus long-term. So forget long-term, just short-term. How many of those dudes are, would you <laughs> say, are, you know, top five in their position in Italy? Not- forget Europe. Just like top five in Italy. Maybe Danilo. I think Danilo yeah. maybe is the top five right back in Italy. Outside of that, I, I I think none of them, and I'm talking Italy, you know, forget Europe, just Italy. I think none of them are at the top of their under position. So again, I completely, I agree with Sam. I agree with Danny. You know, you look at that, you're Matthias Delic, and it's like, listen, I did not sign up for this. I signed up for a team, you know, that had aspirations to win the Champions League. And, you know, the way that things are looking, we're going to be lucky if we make it out of the group stage. So I'm out and I respect that. And I agree with that a hundred percent. And it's it just, and again, this is the, you know, irrational fan speaking, but it would have been really nice. And 
he did look like that type of personality and like that type of player to be like, okay, things are bad right now, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help build this from the ground up and, and kind of bring this club out of this era, you know, and, and that's unreasonable to expect from any player, but it kind of looked like he was going to be that guy, especially with, with a lot of, you know, inside sources saying like, Oh, he could be named captain and whatnot. And, you know, everything kind of coming into, into nothing. So it's just, it's, it's disappointing. It's sad. And, you know, all we have left now is to, to say, Hey, what are we going to do with that money? And, well, we just looked at that depth chart and I think I think all of that has to be reinvested right there because it's it's dire right now. It's you know suddenly something that an area of the field that we took for granted for so many years which which was the defense now is I don't even think arguably but just as a fact the worst part of the team just by like not even close the worst part of the team and are are, are we finally off the midfield isn't the worst part of the team anymore you have to can, right can we officially end that era <laughs> <laughs> we'll spend the next two years on the, the def- talking about defense <laughs> and that, that's not and that's not to say that the midfield is good no it's just that the defense is worse <laughs> it's not that this problem is solved it's just that the 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 the, the back is turned into a into a dumpster fire and just what you want with a with a manager who loves to play defensive football a really oh. bad defense right and it's 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 really tough because with the midfield you can see a scenario like I can I can see a scenario in which Locatelli takes that next step, Paul Pogba has a very healthy season, Weston McKinney takes that next step, and you have a very good midfield. Like I can see that like that is not unreasonable to me. There is no scenario in which with the players we currently have, I can construct something that resembles oh we had a very good defense like. It would have to be either Alexandro just straight up mainlining HGH from right now <laughs> until the season starts. Uh, Alexandro from 2014 all over again. Suddenly he has he's like jacked, and you know Federico Gatti suddenly becomes a superstar at the Serie A level with no Serie A experience under his belt. Leo Bonucci's. <laughs> Mainline HGH as well. I don't know. And like Danilo continues his renaissance. Like that is kind of like how you have to imagine it because the stuff is bleak right now. It is bleak in, in the defensive side. Well, well, we'll transition a little bit with this is that I, I threw out on Twitter the questions like, all right, Juventus now has at least 70 million euros in their back pocket. What do they do with it? And obviously a lot of I think one response was on the back line. It's like, well, okay, yeah. But a lot of the responses were for Bremer. A lot of them were for Pau Torres. So depending on who you read, it's like Juventus want to spend this delict money on either one center back or two center backs. So I will throw out there, if you had a choosing, and obviously it, it depends on who's actually available, but if you had one signing, who do you think Juventus should go basically all in for? over the next couple of weeks? All things being completely neutral, I'd say Bremer. Like if this is a, if this is my FIFA save, I'd say Bremer. The fact that he's been so linked in to enter and seem that's seemingly been all but done for, for quite some time now makes that a little less likely to me. So you're not believing what Momblano said a couple of hours ago. I, I haven't believed anything Momblano <laughs> said without corroboration in about five years. Still, still waiting on Pep. Still waiting on Pep. 
I don't think Pau Torres would be a bad consolation prize, though. I mean, he he's had he had a very good year for Villarreal, as we saw, and uh, and he would also continue the tradition of uh, of buying guys that whose goals helped knock us out of the Champions League, um, of whom Delict was also one. Yes, he was. His wasn't the decisive one. That was that was Alberto Moreno, but or uh, sorry, uh, Gerard Moreno. Alberto Moreno was uh, is the left back. But um, Torres wouldn't be bad. I wouldn't say no to Nikola Milenkovic, although getting another player out of Fiorentina is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that would go over. Yeah, I mean, in that in that particular case, there has to be. Well, is there a release clause with him? I've seen. I thought I've seen reports of that. Because like, if there's a release clause with him and it's low enough, you trigger you're that. Asking, then... You're asking me on the wrong day. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> But like, but yeah, I of of those three, Bremer would be ideal. Until further notice, I still believe the the main reports that say he's going to enter. And I I would I would I, but I would say I would like Pau Torres. I would de- I would definitely like Pau Torres. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add on Pau Torres real quick. I when the rumors first started about him potentially being of interest to Juventus, I reached out to our Villarreal blog friends, and they said essentially that. If there is a situation in which Pau Torres leaves, it is very much the one that VRL are coming off of where they made their big Champions League run, which is, I think, one of was one of his main objectives. And then this would be the summer which he would kind of go on to try and get grand, you know, grander things. And one can argue twenty five. Yeah. And one can argue if moving to Juventus in its current state is bigger and better. <laughs> but uh, I think in that, in this kind of situation, you know, it, it's more moving to a bigger name club more than, say, a better situation. Villarreal, they're where are they Europa League this year? I think Conference League actually. Yeah, I think they're yeah. Conference League, and and they would have been Conference League last year had they not won the Europa League. All right. So like, it is a step up for him. It's not the most giant of steps, but it is a step. Yeah, there's a so I mean. Uh, Torres as well. Um, agree with it. Agree with that pick. Um, there's a player that um, he was really, I mean, very highly rated. And is he Dutch? He had some, <laughs> no, no, no. He's not. He's not. Um, he. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was very highly rated, and then I mean, had some good years, and I mean, kind of fell off the radar a bit. But I mean, I don't, I don't watch La Liga every, you know, every week. But I was thinking of uh, Jose Maria Jimenez um, at Atletico Madrid. He, you know, again, he was really highly rated for a while with like, I mean, he was one of that, you know, again, one, another one of those great Uruguayan players. And I mean, I don't know what our friends at uh, uh, Into the Calderon would say, but um, yeah, I just know that he really was like, I mean, highly sought after as well. And I don't think there are many clubs interested in him. I, I don't know if he's even interested in leaving or anything, but that's one player I just thought of like, you know, he's... I mean, any center back that plays in any defender, frankly, um, that plays with Simeone, I mean, he'll know, you know, he'll know the dark arts of defending <laughs> very much. So, you know, he, uh, he would probably fit in quite well at Juve and just, you know, um, in a defensively minded team, uh, very similar style of play. And I mean, as far as I know, he should be something like 26 or so. It's 27. 27. Oh, okay. So he's not, you know, not oval, but I mean, basically prime prime of his career so yeah he's, i mean if he's, he's available, 27 right now 
Yeah, 27. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's available, you know. He's he's had a lot of injuries over the last couple of years, so he fits right into Juventus, uh, what, well, what Juventus is looking yeah. for. Yeah, well, yeah, that might be a risk. <laughs> yeah, the injuries. Gosh, yeah, the injuries thing. Uh, we already got, you know, like we said with Pogba and his injuries, and yeah, that's a kind of a risk. But I don't know. I mean, that was kind of a random pick I just thought of. And um, But yeah, I mean, in addition just to the slightly more obvious one of uh, Baltores, if he's, you know, truly interested in leaving and um yeah if uh Villarreal would take a reasonable uh, reasonable price and that's you know the other thing as well of like okay now everybody knows we just sold the list for like 80 million euros now all selling clubs know like oh they got money <laughs> you know they got money so you know we're gonna we're not just gonna give them give whichever player on the cheap you know we can we can get some extra extra zeros behind that sum so that's gonna be tricky with negotiations unless juventus has done the old secure somebody in secret before you sell your yeah. your player your big name player it's uh yeah it's going to be an interesting negotiation knowing that the juventus front office is going to be going to people with a full war chest of here's delict money mm, yeah. and a desperate need at center back yes which is which is always a position you want to be right like you always want, exactly. but when selling, you always want every club to know that you have to get someone and that you had it, that you have a lot of money. Like that's always a great, great place to be. But yeah, it, it's going to be one of those things that the, the optimist in me wants to imagine a scenario in which you either get, you know, Pau Torres, Bremer. I, I agree that it looks unlikely, but who knows? It's Inter. They could absolutely screw the pooch. So who knows? <laughs> um, so, but but you get Pau Torres. You get maybe someone like like Badia Shield from Monaco. From Monaco. You get maybe finally you know Destiny Odoji from Udinese, and you kind of you know move that money around just enough that as a whole you might be better off without the lick than with him, right? Like if you get two three names, you reinforce that whole area. Suddenly, you know, you're not one injury away from Daniele Rugani having to be your starter. You know, maybe, maybe everything turns out to be a net positive. But again, you know, it, it's putting all the trust of being able to do that into you, the Juve's board hands. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a new board. I, th- I know these are new guys for, for the most part. Uh, but given just the recent track record of signings we have and, and what Danny read at the beginning of the pod, it was just it was just brutal to hear how many guys we had that are now really, really good. And we sold them all at a loss, most of them. Uh, it, it's it's pretty brutal to to hear back. So there's a scenario in which in which this team could be better off. But for that to happen, there, there has to be a lot of a lot of dominoes falling you know, Juve's way. And I'm just not so sure that's that's in the cards. And, you know, because you're not going to get a guy as good as Matiza. Like, like, there's just no, there's just not a player out there that you can get that's going to be as good as Matiza. But maybe you can get two, three guys that as a whole make your team better. And I think that's what, that's what you have to be, have to be looking forward because, yeah, I mean, at this point, in time, really, you look at that depth chart, but top to bottom, and there's very few guys that that you can make the case are, are you know elite level guys, and 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 that's tough when you call yourself uh, you know one of the best teams in Europe, a, a team that should be challenging for titles, a team that should be challenging for silver. Where you look at that team, and, and that's not a team that's going to be challenging for much. So, 
hopefully they use those those funds wisely and and in the end this whole thing can be can be a net positive for Juve but right now it's it's tough to be to be upbeat about the whole thing the only other um player i i could think of of equal or greater quality as, as uh, the licht would be as a compatriot uh Big Vidge. Well, we, we know he ain't going anywhere. <laughs> I know he ain't coming, but I just want to say Big Vidge. Well, well, knowing knowing that Delict is going to be potentially in the U.S., although not on Juventus's U.S. tour in a matter of days, is it safe to say that these next these or these yeah these next three games for Federico Gatti, he just became under a little bit bigger microscope as maybe he might not have been in uh, say this time last week. Or are you just more interested to see him play now more than than a few days ago? I think he was under a bit of a microscope. And, I mean, at least for me, he I was very interested in how he did any was going to do anyway after the performance he had against England. That had already set a bit of a bar for him that I wanted to see whether or not he would he would be performing the same way. But you are right. I mean, with regardless of who comes in. Either Gatti or Organi are going to be playing a decent amount of minutes just because Bonucci's 35 and he's going to have to, you know, I mean, we've seen even long before he, he blew out his knee, Chiellini was, was being rested quite a bit. You know, Allegri towards the end of his tenure, he managed Chiellini's minutes quite heavily. So I can absolutely see a scenario where he's going to end up having to come up and play play a big game because, you know, especially if, you know, you've got a Champions League game midweek and then you've got a, you know, say you've got Champions League, like in October, you've got Champions League, then you've got Inter. Which one of those does a guy like Gatti play? Which one of those does a guy like Bonucci play? And yeah, I, I but I, without Delict here, it does, it, it certainly is going to put even more of a spotlight on him. But I personally was, was very much, keeping an eye on him regardless, just because, you know, like Sergio said, the, you know, he, he's never played a city on minute, but then you had that game, that nation's league game, which, you know, he, he really locked down things down defensively against a pretty full strength England team. So it, it seems like there's something there. Now you want to be able to see whether or not it's, it's real. And, and, you know, it changes the equation, right? I think with a guy like Gatti, you you got him as kind of a prospect, as kind of a nice guy to have. And, you know, he was developing tremendously and is like he's going to have a time, a, a chance to start getting serious, real minutes and to grow. And, and you didn't have to be, you, you didn't need him to be a, a day one starter. Now you need him to be a day one starter. Like you need him to bear a heavy brunt of minutes almost from the jump. And like Sam said, like his, his game with Italy was really impressive. I think he really showed why Juventus signed him in the in the first place. But I think to ask him to perform like that day in, day out, like like Sam said, in Champions League games against like Inter in the Derby, in the Derbies, that might be too much to ask from a guy like him. And I don't know, maybe he personally wrong. Maybe he's immediately great and and he's the great stabilizer that Juventus was looking for. But you also have to expect that there's going to be some growing pains. And, you know, now it went from a very talented guy that can afford to have those growing pains in a much more stable environment 
to now he needs to play and play a lot because we suddenly are out of bodies. So it's 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 going to be very interesting at, at the very least this this next couple of weeks, this next a month or so to see how Juve react, how quickly they react and and how they manage to to kind of really build this team because as you look at it this team just looks incomplete and we are uh like about a month away from the season starting maybe less less than a month yep yeah so i they're gonna have to be quick and they're gonna have to be decisive because the the thing they need the least is to once again go into the season adapting players and figuring things out as they go when the season is already starting like uh, i know it's it's too much to ask but (laughs) <laughs> and it's not happening, but I mean, Paul Torres, get him to Vegas. Like I need, like you need to, to make that quick. Like you need to make that transition quick because you cannot afford to, you know, take three months of meetings like you did with Manuel Locatelli. Like you need to fix it quick. You need to fix it now, especially in defense when chemistry and, and, and just guys kind of being able to play off each other and kind of read each other's mind at some point is so important. So I, I really think that, you know, so far the, the Arriba Bene regime has had a lot of good, some bad, but I think this is, this is really kind of what's going to make or break uh, the, their, their first full year in charge of the team, because they need to be very, very assertive, very decisive when it comes to what to do with this, with this whole defense situation. And, you know, when it comes to Gatti, um, Let's let's not forget that, you know, we're not exactly like, uh, you know, Borussia Dortmund or Ajax, like who, you know, they have youngsters and they throw them in when they're like 16 years old. And they're like, all right, you're, you're a starter now. You know, we're obviously way more conservative with youngsters. And I mean, that's obviously a big debate in Italy, like just how we, you know, deal with youngsters and all that. But which I, I mean, sometimes I see like, OK maybe take a little easy, like don't throw them like into the fire right away. But then again, I think with Italy, uh, they're probably a little too conservative with, uh, yeah, with giving youngsters an opportunity, regardless of of what the reason is like, you know, we're not as gung ho about playing youngsters right off the bat and Allegri obviously as well. So there's likely, I mean, I think Allegri is just going to be like, well, if I don't have to, then I'd rather not play Gatti like right away, 90 minutes, you know, every game if he could help it, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be the question. Will he be able to help it? Who knows? I mean, that said, I think it's a similar situation that Gatti has now as I, that I said that Moise Keane had last year. I'll say most of the first part of last year, that last season rather, um, which was with Morata. And, you know, I remember saying how like, you know, that number nine spot was for the taking obviously before Vlaovic came, but you know, that, number nine spot was like, it was there for the taking. Like at the time, Morata was like, you know, just like in and out. I mean, he was kind of, yeah, streaky player. And, you know, I remember saying that like, hey, Moise Keane, like this is his chance. Like if, like he can, if he, I mean, he can push, like it's not impossible to push Morata out of the starting 11, but I mean, anyway, he never managed to do that, of course, but whatever. And yeah, same thing here with Gatti. I mean, it's like, there's no number one kingpin in center back right now. I mean, yeah, again, Bonucci, but you know, he's 35 and like injured here and there. And yeah, there's, there's really no, like, yeah, there's no delay. There's no number one guy now at center back. So it's there for the taking, you know, it's, 
Yeah, it's a huge opportunity for him. But yeah, of course, is it too much too fast? I mean, who knows? I mean, <laughs> yeah, who knows? In Bonucci, you know, his form has been dipping consistently the oh, last yeah. two, yeah. three years. Like, it's not that he can't be a good center back. I think at this moment, like Leo Bonucci at this moment, I think he's an above average guy that can have flashes of, of the old Bonucci and have he can still have moments. But I think he's he's an above average guy. Like I, I don't think he's a superstar level center back anymore. And and he hasn't been for a while. Like again, going back to what I was saying earlier, he's not a top five center back in Serie A. So just just from that, you know, it it becomes a who can you rely on, and and that's going to be the the thing that Allegri is going to have to you know figure out pretty quickly. Even if he doesn't like playing young guys that much. If if Gatti is that guy, if he's that dude, like he's going to have every chance to to show that. I think so. Let's let's hope for the best. All right. Well, we will have uh, some thoughts on I'm sure Federico Gatti and others when we reconvene for the podcast next week after Sergio and I make our voyage over to Las Vegas. So uh, shall we wrap this uh, this thing up with some Twitter questions, gents? Wait, how long are you guys going to be there again? We are going to be there for. 20 days. I'm actually moving there. I'm starting a residency. Uh, it's gonna be, uh, I heard you already bought a house. There you go. There you go. I, think, I think we're, I'm, I'm getting there on Wednesday, leaving on Saturday. I don't know about you, Danny, but I will be there for about a total of 36 hours. Oh, cool. Okay. Right. Y'all yeah. move like lightning. Y'all move that's faster than Federico Chiesa before his ACL. Enjoy. That's right. That's right. And hopefully after. Hopefully, after, amen, amen. By the way, just a quick side note, since Max Allegri did say some nice things about Federico Gatti at the press conference that we were that I had the pleasure to be a part of ahead of Juventus's summer tour. I know that I work in the newspaper industry, so breaking news is kind of part of the deal. But it was pretty cool to see Italian reporters tweet out the answer to the question that I got to ask Max about Federico Chiesa and when he's coming back. So just as a side note, that was, <laughs> that was cool. A lot of cool things happening recently. That's right. Yeah. Robin, uh, virtual shoulders with the, uh, the big leagues. That's right. Uh, unfortunately, we won't get to see our two favorite Juve players uh, at last or three, uh, Matthijs De Ligt, <laughs> Federico Chiesa and Arthur. None of them making the, the, the trip there. So that's a bit of a bummer. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we'll get to some Twitter questions here. First one from our old friend who we haven't heard from in a while at Handy Vandy. Oh, boy. <laughs> what team are you a new fan of with all the players leaving this summer? Can we turn this into a Toronto FC podcast in, in all seriousness? What's the biggest what could have been departure for Juventus? Like what player could have been amazing if he had stayed? If he'd stayed. Oh, yeah. oh man. man that's a well, the question. way he played in the second half of the season, Kulusevsky has to be up up yes. there on that list. Yeah. Because you know, you, you get give him the right, give him the right set of circumstances, and all of a sudden he was playing like a demon. He's gotta be up there. Yeah, well, Kulus- I mean, I'll I'll touch on the Kulusevsky thing and then add my own answer. With Kulusevsky, I go back and forth with that, you know, because it's just I mean, obviously, he's a great player. Clearly, he's a great player. But it's just one of those things where it's like, I mean, he clearly just wasn't in the right system for him. So then it's the question is, do we change our system for him? Or, you know, or is it just for the best that he just found a club that is, I mean, clearly for him, it is the best that he just found a club that was set up right for him. 
rather than it was i guess it's just kind of like was it i guess it was never meant to be or something because it was because our you know our tactics or like just the way we played football just never suited him i don't know i don't know it's just like i think about the kuliseski thing a lot and it's like yeah it could have been but then it's like a lot would have had to change we would have had to just oh, play modern football i guess which i guess that would have been for the better I don't know. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I've thought about the old Kuliseski thing a lot. I can never really get out of it, like my head. I can never really find like a resolution in my head about it. But yeah, to, to add uh, my own answer to that, yeah, for me, it's got to be uh, Christian Romero, you know, going to Spurs as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that that one hurt a lot. I mean, I, I was thinking Demiol as well, but I mean, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, Demiol, I, I think he's obviously a great player, but yeah. Uh, there were some performances with you that I was like, eh. I remember the Porto ones in particular that I just thought he wasn't. Yeah, you, you had some not so nice things to say about him after that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember specifically, I just thought he was, yeah, I think he, he was too proactive or too eager, I guess, as a defender. Like, you know, he stepped in too much. Uh, in, in Dutch, we have a word for it. Um, well, it doesn't translate well, but it's called a hop, hoppe, uh, which means... Uh, it means gasping, quite literally gasping for air. So like if someone is like, you know, oh, this guy, like he hops too much. He like, he's always going forward too much instead of like, he's always trying to get ahead of the man to get to the ball first. He's always trying like. Would overzealous be a, yeah, a, good, yeah, yeah. a good way? Yeah, that's actually, that's that's a good word. Yeah, yeah. I think that would hit it, right? So um, yeah, I mean, doing it as well. But no, I think Romeo to me, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would have been. I think a superstar for us in that. Yeah, that one, that one hurt. That one hurt a lot. Yeah, I think recent history, obviously, Dejan Kulusevski, that one jumps out. Uh, uh, you know, Christian Romero, 100%, especially just how how dire the center back situation is right now. Uh, that one hurts a lot as well. But, you know, you, you look back, and it's just, it's been a lot of guys, but to me, in the recent-ish history, you know, there really is two, two guys, and one of them is, I think it, it's Slatan Ibrahimovic. I think he, you know, if, if things were different back then, if obviously, and once again, I think he was villainized at the time just because he is who he is uh, when he left Juventus, when they went down to Serie B. But I mean, you, you can't really blame him for that either. Like, I'm sure if something similar to that would happen right now, I think no one would, would you know, would villainize or, or would hate on, on the players. With his I think it was more the way he did it. Yeah, I mean, he is who he is. He's, he's a rating personality, obviously. And, you know, I mean, he that that is who he is. But, you know, to imagine a scenario in which he remains at Juventus and he does all the great things that he did because he, he was a tremendously talented player and he accomplished so much at the time. You know, it, it, there's a very real scenario in which he could have accomplished all of that with Juve and that would have been really fun to see. Uh, and recently, something that I'm sure, you know, the person who has this question is going to really enjoy, uh, Federico Bernardeschi. I think he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, maybe he was never as talented as we all thought he was. Uh, you know, he definitely didn't live up to, to the transfer fee or to everything that, that you know, came with it. But, you know, he he came in at a moment when everything was so specifically suited to what he could do. You know, Juventus were coming into a season where they were, you know, technically going to play with a lot of wingers. And, and he was just such a perfect fit for that five-star system that, that it, it just seemed like a perfect choice, like a perfect signing. 
Like as far as, you know, sure things could go, Federico Bernardeschi was a sure thing. And then Sami Kedria just fell off a cliff and they ditched the five-star system. And then he never really, you know, he was like, he was never a good player for Juve. He was the levels of above average. He had that one good game against Atletico Madrid. And then it was just kind of there for the remainder of his contract. And, you know, we can say position shifting contract, like a lot of coaches, whatnot, but he was just never good. And for a guy that had expectations of a superstar, he was just never good. And I think that that's going to be so sad because everyone wanted so badly to, for him to be like, for him to be very good at Juventus. Like, you know, his personality was great. He was Italian. He was a fan favorite. His performance in the Euros, like, like he did so many off the field things that made everyone want to cheer for him. And, you know, he never kind of translated that to the field. And that's, that's a bummer. Uh, But yeah, those, I mean, outside of the ones you guys said, those two are kind of like the ones that jump out to me of of recent history. I did like the video that TFC posted on Twitter of Berna arriving at the, I believe it was the airport in Toronto. And they had kind of like an overhead shot from behind of him signing autographs. Not one TFC jersey, all Juventus jerseys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey man as long as you get the marketing dollars man that's all uh that's all they need that's right that's right it's all right the jofc in toronto yeah so, <laughs> I, I, they've got I, a big they've yeah. got a big one there probably some affiliate deal or something and just by the way just really speaks to how you know how deep our bench was that you know he was kind of like our go-to guy last year and he's playing in the mls now so really just Good stuff we had we had going on last year. <laughs> All right, Sergio, this one might be for you and you alone. From at Bachi Sabi, anybody of note to watch from Chivas? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, Chivas. Chivas. I, I used to root for Chivas when I was younger uh, because uh, my beloved Puebla was in the in the second division, so it was kind of hard to see their games and whatnot, but. You know, and, and I like Chivas just because they're a very historic club. Um, they play with with all Mexican players, so that's kind of a, a fun little wrinkle. When they're good, it's just like very, um, it's just kind of like a thing that we do that is just put the the green jersey on Chivas because they're all Mexican. Um, but they're they've been really bad this year so far. Uh, they don't have a lot of really good players. Uh, the, the, I guess the one guy that you would could you know, point to is Alexis Vega. He's a winger. He plays for the Mexican national team. He's very hit or miss when he's on. Like, it's crazy to think that he's not playing in Europe. Like he's one of those guys, Uh, but he, you know, like so many, you know, Mexican footballers too much, too fast, too soon. And, you know, I think he's been embroiled in more scandals of him going out and partying that, you know, really big moments with either the national team or with Chivas. But when he's on, he's he's really, really good. And if you were to if you were to point to a guy that that has the upside or the talent uh to maybe one day sort of play in Europe, I think you would have to to point to him to to Alexis Vega. And and the other guy would probably be JJ Macias, who I'm sure no one remembers. But someone at one point rumored him to be a Juve transfer target. Uh, it was de- decidedly not a reliable source. It was probably <laughs> a tweet that someone at some place picked up. 
But he did end up going to Europe. He played for Getafe in La Liga and he scored zero goals for half a season. <laughs> and he's back on Chivas now. So probably good that he was never signed for Juve. But those are the kind of like the two, two names to look for. I know it's not much, but they they didn't invite Chivas because they're a very good team. Let's 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 be real. They invited them because uh, they're a very popular Mexican team, and there is a lot of Mexican fans in that area. So there you go. But um, that's kind of what to look for if if they're going at all, because Liga MX is currently playing. So I don't even know if they're gonna go. Maybe they just send like a youth team. I have absolutely no idea. But but yeah, that's a long long answer for what really should have been no from the get go. <laughs> well, that leads right into our next question of from at. Joe Pro 18, in your guys' opinion, what team will have the largest fan base in Vegas? And I am no Chivas expert by any means, but I have, like Sergio said, I have a feeling 100% Chivas and Juventus will definitely be the lesser of the two represented teams next Friday. Yeah, and and considering it's Real Madrid and Barcelona there as well, I think they're going to be a a distant fourth, honestly, which is a bit (laughs) of a bummer. But I'm sure we'll see, like, Chivas, I think, will be number one. And then probably Real Madrid to Barcelona, like Barcelona third, kind of like, you know, head to head there. And and Juventus a distant fourth because I I can't, I mean, I can't see there being a huge Juventus following in the area, but who knows? Hopefully there's, there's a few more Juve fans and it'd be, it'd be fun to see Juve fans from all over the world. If only Chucks and Sam were making a trip, if only. Yeah. Like I said, I was in Vegas about uh, seven, eight months ago. So uh... Yeah, the friendly was a little too uh, too late, man. Too late. The friendly was too late. Yeah, I I can't leave the baby quite that long yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not sure the missus would uh, would appreciate that. <laughs> By the way, Becky, I'm going to I'm going to Vegas for a couple of days to see Juventus. I'll, I'll yeah, talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs> We've got two two questions from producer Couch. One was about the defense, which we obviously talked about in extensive fashion. So we'll actually go with one to wrap things up with. The midfield from at couch underscore 10, our loyal producer, assuming we make no new signings in midfield, predict our six or seven man midfield for the upcoming season. Well, you've got Pogba, Locke, Ocatelli, Locke. I'm pretty sure McKenney is a lock. Zakaria, lock, I'd say. That's four. That's four. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Rabio because he's like a, He's like one of those invading vines. You just can't get him <laughs> off. And uh, I think we keep Miretti around. And it, yeah, convince... I mean, this, this basically can be boiled down to how many of the young midfielders do you think will stay? And and how many of the senior midfielders go? Like, I, I was playing with Julian in his nursery today and jumped for joy when I took a quick uh, peruse through my phone and saw that the, uh, saw a report that Mikel Arteta has apparently revived his interest in our tour. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> do that. Take him, bud. But, uh, uh, and, and I'm not even counting Aaron Ramsey. We all know that's going to end at some point. I don't uh, think you know, even the Juventus store is not counting Aaron Ramsey at this point. They are not currently yeah. selling a number eight Jersey, but if a good enough offer comes in for Rabio, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he gets sold because then you can in fact keep two of the two of the guys but it really it really does depend on how many of the young guys they decide to keep and how many of the other guys they manage to get away yeah basically the same 
Same answer in terms of the picks. Yeah, same answer. It's it really comes down to yeah, if it's gonna be Mietti and or Fagioli. Like I think the one of them at least will will still be in a mix. But yeah, I mean, is it gonna be both either or? Depends indeed on if Rabio gets sold. You know, maybe I haven't heard too much about that. So yeah, I think that's I think that's gonna be the big question mark. Besides the you know the obvious picks, it's gonna be yeah, Mietti or Fajoli or both. Yeah, yeah, same. I, I don't really have a ton to add there. I, I think <laughs> it really is going to boil down to who they can unload. And honestly, like if you look at, at the list that Sam said, I actually have the exact same league, the same list as Pogba, Makini, Sakaria, Locatelli, Ravio, and, and Miretti. You know, on paper, that, that's pretty decent. I, I think that's, you know, by far the best midfield they've had in, in quite a while. And you know, hopefully that is a seven-man midfield instead of a six-man midfield, you know, with, with either Fagioli or Ravella thrown in there because, you know, injuries are going to happen. Like, that's just a thing that that I think it used to be a, a if and not when. I think now it's just a when you're going to need those extra guys because with, with the load of, of matches being played, the World Cup, like, they're going to need extra bodies. And I hope that just becomes like a seven-man midfield and, and you can have that, you know, Miretti, Fagioli, insurance but on paper at least that looks like a pretty damn good midfield I, I i don't know if still an elite midfield a lot of you know you have to see that next step from locatelli that next step from mckinney you have to see healthy pogba but if things break right like like we were saying with, at the beginning i think that's by far the best midfield they've had and if things break right it can be a you know not just a good but like a really really good midfield unit so Let's let's hope that that happens. And it'd be really funny, though, if we carry Aaron Ramsey into the season. I just think it'd be like funny to have him around. I, you know, it'd be enjoyable to me and to me alone. Not to our bank account. Do you think Aaron Ramsey is going to to Vegas? It'd be also really funny to me and me alone if he plays or if he starts that game. I think that'd just be a hoot. What is it like they haven't in previous years? They've had guys who are probably out of the project, but have come back on loan and then played in friendlies. And they're wearing like 34 or something like that. Like what if Aaron Japan. Ramsey had just like, like some random ass number? He's where you know, here comes Aaron Ramsey has like a 55th minute substitute wearing like 35. I'd get that jersey. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, memorabilia. Man. Aaron Ramsey wearing 37 or something like that. Like that'd be good. But like does, does anybody have a does anybody have like the 26? What, what was it? The 26 that Kadira had before Pogba was sold and he took over the six. Yeah. That was his original number. I think I still have the screenshot of that press conference on my computer. <laughs> he's like, yes, this is what I wore at Stuttgart. And then like what a week later, it's like, yes, I'm now the number six. I'm honored to wear this number. <laughs> or no, no, Pogba didn't No, Pogba didn't leave that year. He got number 10 instead. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think with uh, the midfield, like, I think if it's going to be between Mietti or Fagioli, I think maybe Fagioli could get the nod just because what I understand, he is more of a regista, right? So, and that's, I mean, if if he is anyway, I think that that's probably a spot where we're still kind of missing really someone to kind of fill that role. So I guess if it's going to come down between either one of them, it's going to be whoever I guess is best suited for a regista position. Um, ah, Chucks, but that could be a topic for another episode, especially oh, yes. after we see Juventus play a friendly, which will be Indeed. next week's episode. So how about that for a transition to wrap things that up? Smashing. Master <laughs> segues.
Whereas the great Austin Powers wants to say, crewy, baby. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You have you have busted out multiple English accents on this episode, and we thank you for it. And just not my Wolverhampton Wanderers. <laughs> All right. Well, now that now that Chucks has gotten even one more English accent out of the way, we will wrap things up. Thank you guys for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. If you want to send them to us, follow us on the Twitter machine at Juventus Nation is there. And as we said at the beginning of the show, follow us on our new Instagram account, B-W-R-A-O underscore S-B-N on Instagram. Follow us there as well as on your favorite podcasting platform for this podcast, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Feel free to leave us a nice rating or review all of those good things. So for Sam, for Chucks, and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys after Juventus plays a friendly next week. <laughs>